The Kobayashi Maru was a scenario famous in the Star Trek television series and movies. Now, the Kobayashi Maru was described as a no-win scenario. And it was part of the curriculum for command and training cadets at the Starfleet Academy. And it took place in the 23rd century. Now, what they used the Kobayashi Maru for was to determine and assess a Starfleet commander's discipline, character, and command capabilities when facing an impossible situation. And in that impossible situation, there would be no legitimate strategy that could produce a successful outcome. And in fact, Spock, who designed the Kobayashi Maru, said this, the purpose is to experience fear, fear in the face of certain death, to accept that fear and maintain control of oneself and one's crew. This is a quality expected in every Starfleet captain. And the scenario went like this. There was a ship that you were in control of, that you were leading, you were the captain of a ship. And the ship would receive a distress signal from another ship called the Kobayashi Maru. And the Kobayashi Maru was a ship that carried civilians. And this civilian ship had wandered into the Klingon neutral zone. Now, the Klingons were the enemies in the series of Star Trek. And this ship was disabled. Now, the ship that you were flying, you were the only one near the Kobayashi Maru. Now, you could either leave the mission, leave the neutral zone, And try to rescue the vessel, but you would violate a treaty and you would be immediately confronted by Klingon battle warships and you would end up in a firefight. So the scenario they put you in was to somehow be able to save the Kobayashi Maru and avoid a fight with the Klingons and escape the neutral zone without your warship, your ship, being destroyed. And as we said before, the choice of the cadet is how to handle the rescue operation gave insight into their leadership skills. Now, everybody failed this test except for James T. Kirk. In fact, he even failed it himself three times. But before he failed it again, he reprogrammed the simulation to make it possible for him to rescue the civilian ship. And he was rewarded for original thinking. So... The Kobayashi Maru is a difficult situation. And perhaps it is not up to us to simply concern ourselves with a particular outcome, but to take the time to evaluate how we bring ourselves and carry ourselves in difficult situations. Or as Spock says, we need to face fear and experience it. 
Now, how in the world do we do this? Well, how about a story that you consider? One that starts with, the world is yours. Welcome to the Stephen Thompson Experience. My name is Stephen Thompson, and this is my experience. I'm a curious, trying to be compassionate leader who is the creator of the Stephen Thompson Experience, a podcast for leaders and followers, hopeful optimists, careful pragmatists, bold asserters, and people who want to bend the arc of the universe towards justice. My goal is to use this platform to educate, inform, and inspire individuals to use their gifts and talents in the service of others. The World is Yours is a 1994 song by the rapper Nas. This was the fourth single from his debut album, Illmatic. In fact, Illmatic was considered one of the greatest hip-hop albums ever recorded and the world is yours? Many people said that this very song was one of the best hip-hop songs ever recorded. I want to look at one particular lyric from this song to drive our discussion today. The world is yours. Whose world is this? The world is yours. The world is yours. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. Whose world is this? It's yours. It's mine. It's mine. Whose world is this? The world is yours. The world is yours. It's mine. It's mine. Whose world is this? Now, perhaps you may think about this present world or those who have left this world, not leaving this world by death, but leaving this world literally. With this being Black History Month, I want to look at Gian S. Buford. He was the first African-American to travel in space. Now, he was a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, and he became the first African-American to travel in space when the space shuttle Columbia left on its third mission. It was the first night launch of a space shuttle, and many people stayed up late to watch this particular mission leave. In fact, they left Cape Canaveral at 2.32 in the morning and they went away for six days. And Blueford and his four crew launched a communication satellite for the government of India. They made contact with the communication satellite and they made some scientific experiments and they tested the shuttle's robotic arm. So Buford, in fact, flew several other missions of the space shuttle throughout his career. So he was the first African-American astronaut. He flew three space shuttle flights and he logged a total of 700 hours in orbit. And he when he retired from NASA, he became vice president and general manager of an engineering company in Ohio. And this right here is an example of showing up in the world with your talents, your gifts, and your abilities, and deciding that the world is yours and your little spot in this world, you are going to be your very best. Now, sometimes we find ourselves stuck, stuck in, in situations and in events that we may not enjoy. And we got to ask ourselves, well, well, how do we face these events, these situations that we don't necessarily like?
Now, the temptation, maybe it's to look back on certain situations and think about, well, this could have happened or that could have happened, but that's called hindsight bias. And we all face hindsight bias from time to time. There's several layers of hindsight bias. Memory distortion. Now, this is according to a 2012 study done by scientists at Northwestern University and the University of Minnesota. So three levels of hindsight bias. The first level is memory distortion, and that means misremembering an early opinion or judgment. Like, for example, you said, I said it would happen. The second level, inevitable, centers on our belief that the event was inevitable. It had to happen. And the third involves the belief that we personally could have foreseen some sort of event. They, so you could say, I knew it would happen. And this is usually centered around us not using our talents, our gifts, or our abilities the way that we desire them to. Because we perceive that some sort of negative event will occur. Or perhaps we can avoid a negative event if we do or don't do something. And this usually revolves around the good, the good, the good that we can do, the positive that we can do. But one of the ways to defeat hindsight bias is this. You imagine the consequences that are actually the opposite of the ones that you are thinking about. So let's just say this, you want to start a new creative pursuit. And you say, well, if I start this creative pursuit, then I won't make any money. But what if you said this? Don't worry about the outcomes. Like money is an outcome. What if you let 10 years go by and you poured yourself into something that you didn't like? Well, at the end of 10 years, you're not going to be any happier doing the thing that you didn't like, but you will regret the fact that you did not attempt or try that which you felt gifted to do. And think and put yourself in that moment 10 years from now, because 10 years will go by. This is how you defeat the hindsight bias. Don't think that something bad is going to happen. Simply show up and face that which you want to do, that which you want to pursue. Because if you do that, outcomes don't matter. Because we're attached to the process of pursuing our gifts and talents and abilities. Because outcomes are out of our control. The Apostle Paul says this. In fact, he says this in 2 Corinthians 1. 8 through 10. We do not want you to be informed, uninformed brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we, we may not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we set our hope, and he will continue to deliver 
us. So how do we face these difficult situations? Well, first of all, know that these difficult situations are going to come. They are going to occur. We're going to for be forced to see them. We're going to be forced to endure them. But you see this, the world is yours. It's yours to experience. It's yours to walk through, yours to receive joy and happiness, but also to endure hardship and persevere through suffering and challenging situations. And guess what? We get to choose. We can choose how we show up in the world. That is ours and yours and mine. The outcomes we want are uncertain and at times out of our control. But how we bring ourselves to each situation and how we leverage our gifts and talents in the service of others is a way for us to claim our piece of the world. The ability to create change and influence the culture is possible. Choose today to serve, to help, to be kind, to walk away from senseless arguments and into your gifts, talents, and abilities. Choose to claim your world. This is Stephen Thompson, and this has been my experience. My goal today is to educate, inform, and inspire, and I hope that I have moved a bit in the direction. But if I offended or upset or triggered you, I apologize. It's never my intent. If you are facing loss or tragedy, I pray for you to have comfort and the support you need to help you face them. If you are happy, take time to be thankful for what you have. And remember, those that are battling right now, feel free to reach out to me through the comments. Leave, my, leave an email address if you like to dialogue. If you enjoyed it, subscribe. And until next time, have a wonderful week. Remember, the world is yours.